Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Make peace, not war. The 60s and 70s brought us the, the peace movement and hatred for war. But at the end of the day, there comes a point where there is a just war as opposed to something else. And today we focus on a just war. In honor of a just war, God is our defense. We're in Esther chapter 9, verses 1 through 22. And this is Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan from Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Welcome to the program. As we continue our survey of Esther, we find ourselves coming towards the end of this amazing book where we see a display of righteousness in judgment. It was not a war to profit, but rather a a war to purge, a war to cleanse, purify. Mordecai becomes greater and greater as we continue our survey, as we deal justly with the evil seed. It's all straight ahead on today's edition of Way of Grace. If you're going to see the outcome of worship and we're headed there, it starts with confession. Now, stay with me. Remember I told you Daniel saw the revelation and he confessed. Ezra's seeing the revelation and he's confessing. Watch what the impact of leadership does when they confess. He confessed weeping, casting himself down before the house of God. And there assembled unto him out of Israel a very great what? Congregation of men, women, and what? For the people did what? Ah, like leader, like people. And this is why our nation is still jacked up. And this is why it's still broken. And this is why every state is against every other state. is because our leaders have not yet come to God, bowed the knee, and cried out for their sins. And where the leaders don't do it, the people won't do it. And you can't expect God to show up and bless you when you're proud, too proud to acknowledge your sin. See, what you're about to see in this great victory of chapter 9 of Ezra starts here. It always starts with earnest prayer. It always starts with people confessing before God their wretchedness. Nehemiah, chapter 8, verse 2. Now, Nehemiah comes next. And in Nehemiah's book, which is contemporary with Ezra, which is contemporary with Esther, you notice what goes on in the book of Nehemiah. You know how that Nehemiah was the great uh, reformer and builder of the walls of Jerusalem. And once the temple was built and the walls were built and the people were gathered together under confession of sin, as we're seeing here, guess what we get to do now? Preach the gospel. You only preach the gospel when the people gather. You only preach the gospel after we have prayed, after we have confessed our sins, after we have acknowledged our rebellion, and now God can bless the preaching. That's why some of us go out of here the same way we come in. Because we don't come in confessing our sins. We don't come in weeping in our souls, in our hearts, realizing we are in the presence of a holy and righteous God. We think we can just come to the throne of grace as we are and be blessed by the preaching. But I'll tell you what happened in Nehemiah 8 was the beginning of a revival because the word of God was preached and expounded and accompanied by the power of the Spirit of God. You remember it? 
Here it is, chapter 8, verse 1. Nehemiah 8, 1. Start there. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1. And all the people gathered themselves together as what? Into the street that was before the water gate, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to do what? Bring the book of the law of Moses. Do you see how God had already been working back in the book of Esther to break their hearts? To break the follow ground of their hearts. And once the follow ground of our hearts are broken, guess what God shows us? A hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is how you know when God's really saved your children, or saved your spouse, or saved your brother or your sister. They can legitimately say that they are a sinner. They can legitimately acknowledge the sin that they've committed. And when the Spirit of God is really working, guess what it produces in them immediately? A hunger for God's Word. Can you see how glorious this request is on the part of all the people? Bring us the book. Can you see it? Bring us the book. We know that God speaks through the book. We know that we will hear from God when the book is open, when the book is explained, expounded, and preached. Now, those are authentic people of God. Those are real people of God. When you come to church, you should come to want to hear from God. And they spake to Ezra the scribe, bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And you guys know the rest. This is what we call the model for expository preaching and teaching. They built a pulpit of wood. And Nehemiah stood on that pulpit of wood, and the book was open. And when the book was open, the people stood up. And when they stood up, Nehemiah began to preach. And Ezra and the scribes went through the people, explaining Torah to them. And as the word was explained, they were a type of the Holy Ghost. As the word was explained, it made sense to them. And when it made sense to them, they realized they were in trouble. And God began to break their heart, and they began to cry out. And that's when they heard the message, don't weep, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Go about and give portions to everyone another, everyone, and gifts, because God has a solution to your sin problem. See, the gospel is not good to you until you come to realize that God has been good to you in spite of your sinfulness. It's really true. It's really true. It's really true. And then I won't go to the other verse. I'm going to share a principle and move on through my points. It's in the book of Judges, chapter 20, verse 1 and 11. Don't go there. Remember that horrible, horrible, dark period of the book of Judges? I told you, unless you grew up in the hood, and I mean really grew up in the hood, you couldn't handle Judges to save your life because that book is nasty. That book is filthy. That book is dark. Every man was doing that which was right in their own eyes. They were making their own laws, making their own rules. And by the end of the 17th chapter, we are into the kind of perversion that is commonplace in our culture today. Homosexuality and lesbianism and incest and vileness of every kind. Nothing new under the sun. Now, stay with me now. This is all because every man did that which is right in their own eyes. Now, when you decide to do that, God takes his hand off you. He'll give you up the bestiality. He'll give you up to all of these other perversions that in our culture now are lauded and legalized. We are in the days of the judges right now. Well, there was one priest, one Levite, who decided to advertise 
the effects and consequences of that perversion in ESPN, in Fox News, in, 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 in CNN. You know what he did? He chopped up the dead body of a girl that was raped by the beast and sent it through all 12 tribes. And when every tribe saw a piece of the body part flowing down the rivers or sent down the byways, they all gathered together as one man because that body represented them. That chopped up woman represented Israel, the harlot of, his, of the wife, Yahweh, Jehovah. And that the consequences of her, of her per, perversion and, and wickedness and disobedience to her husband would ultimately mean her dev, demise. And the fact that that girl was chopped up into 12 pieces meant that Israel was divided. Do you hear what I just stated? It was divided. Now, is the body of Christ divided? No, I'm sorry. You're talking about things seen. I'm talking about unseen, 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 uh, things unseen. I'm saying to you that the true body of Christ can never be divided. That Christ has the capacity to keep his bride. He will not chop her up into 12 pieces and send her down the river of apostasy. Only the false church will go down the river of apostasy, chopped up into 12 pieces, still calling Jesus their savior. But Christ doesn't have a dead body. When he rose again from the dead, we rose again from the dead with him. The head is always united to the body. Every member is connected to the rest of the members of the body. We have one whole body in Jesus. Question is, are you part of that body? Or are you part of the body that's chopped up and sent throughout the whole world as a witness of division? Am I making some sense? I'm going to share with you what I'm getting at. I'm going to share with you what I'm getting at. I'm getting at that the gathering of the people of God first starts with the work of the foundation stone being laid. That's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. No gathering apart from the atoning work of Christ. The gathering of the people of God then are drawn by the work of the Spirit to weeping and crying and confessing their sins. No peace, no joy until sin is confessed. The gathering of the people of God then is further, further manifested as we are seen in the book of Ezra, uh, Esther by the people gathering together for war. Worship, weeping, what? War. Worship, weeping, war. That is the process. There's one more stage. I'm going to talk to you about that next week. Where we are today is we're called to worship, weep, and war. Chapter 10 of Esther is about warfare because they've already weeped. Because God calls his people to worship. And in chapter 10, let's look at our sub points now. Point number one, judge not lest you be judged. You guys got that? A remarkable unity observed. Are you able to see that? Sub point B, by the authority of the king, do the people of God have a right to fight for themselves? Do you remember in Esther chapter 8 verse 11 when Esther brought it to, to uh, uh, King Xerxes? This is what we read in chapter 8, verse 11. Wherein the king granted the Jews, which were in every city, to gather themselves together. Do you see it? And to stand for their what? Look again. This was a decree from the king because he had already given a decree to destroy them. Now it's another decree to overthrow that decree. And here's what he says. The king is granting the Jews, which are in every city, to what? Gather themselves together and to what? Stand for their life. Now watch this. To destroy, to slay, to cause, to perish all the power of the people in the province 
that would assault them, both little ones and women, and to do what? Take the spoil of them for prey. Now, I want you to watch this. The text establishes this principle so that you and I know that the people of Israel had a right to defend themselves. They had a right to fight against their adversaries. Now, I want to show you why I say that the, what they did in response to a decree to defend themselves really amounts to a just war. But let me add this caveat just to remind you once again. Can you imagine how comfortable things were with Israel prior to Haman's decree? How they lived together with unsaved folks, with unbelieving folks, with pagans, like we live today in our world? And without some reinforced law or some legislation or some decree to divide them, we could live together, right? We could work together. We could serve together. And we do, don't we? Listen, for the most part, particularly in America, if you don't get along with anybody, I'm talking about you, it's not because you saved. That'll come in a minute. If you don't get along with anyone, it's not because you're saved. Your master ate and drank with publicans and sinners, and they loved to hang with him. Don't make the fact that you are cantankerous, judgmental, critical, self-righteous, antisocial, a gospel issue. That is not the gospel. That is not the gospel. That's just self-righteousness. See, you and I really do want to be more like Christ. You know what we want to be able to do? Remember the rock from which we were hewn, the pit from which we were dug, the fact that we are nothing but sinners saved by grace, Able to live in an environment with men and women who are still operating B.C. even though we're operating A.D. Because we used to be B.C. We used to be before Christ. We used to live like hell, think like hell, act like hell. But now that you're saved, oh, you're too holy for them. That's not the evidence of salvation. That's the evidence of religion. Listen to me. The Jewish people had understood that their exile was a sanctifying process of discipline. And they were simply waiting and serving God in that context. They knew that there is always this underlying enmity that we have with unsaved people. But ladies and gentlemen, can I speak the truth today before I let you go? We have that underlying enmity with Christian folks. Ooh. So this is not a gospel issue. This is a character issue. Am I making some sense? This is a character issue. Can we tell the truth? Because you'll act like you don't offend people, but you do. You do. And what God has to do when we're like that is he has to allow trouble to come into our life and bring us to a place where we depend upon him because we got to wake up some days perplexed. We got to wake up some days perplexed and realize that I'm surrounded by my enemies. Well, why is that? Because God said in his covenant word that when you don't please me, I'm going to let your enemies surround you about. Ooh, am I telling the truth today? Right, it's important for us to get this because I do want you to see their success. I want you to understand that the Jews, in recognizing that a second decree has been given for them to defend themselves, are not going to act a fool. They're not going to take advantage of this law and slaughter people 
ruthlessly and senselessly. And I want you to see how this works. And we get to ask ourselves, would I behave myself with this kind of decorum and deportment had I been given a decree to defend myself? Subpoint C then, an act of self-defense versus an act of mere vengeance. Look at chapter 9, verse 16. Are we there? Listen to what the author says in uh, chapter 9, 16 of the book of Esther. So it says in verse uh, 15, For the Jews that were in Shushan gathered themselves together on the 14th day, also the month Adar, and slew 300 men at Shushan, but on the prey they did not what? Lay their hands. Do you see that? Look at verse 16. But the other Jews that were in the king's province gathered themselves together and stood for their lives and had rest from their enemies and slew of their foes 75 what? Thousand. Now, will you hear this next line? But they laid not their hands on the prey. Whoa! You have to respect the restraint that took place there. Can I tell you why? They had the right to take it according to chapter 8, verse 11. Do you know what that means? That means when they fought this war, they weren't, they weren't fighting this war out of a personal vengeance sort of mindset or psychology. This war that they were fighting was simply to defend themselves. And when they discovered they had the right to defend themselves, guess what they said they would do? I'm going to glorify God in the defense of myself. Are you ready? To let God know We know that you are the one that defended us. That is good. Who who got a revelation right there? I want you to follow with me. The way they acted in this war shows us that they were aware that God was present, that God was working, that God was protecting them, that God was holding up his promise because there's a seed that got to make it to, to Judah. Is that right? And so when God comes through in your life where there are adversaries that are surrounding you and you are threatened in your welfare and you don't have the ability to fix it yourself, and then all of a sudden, what a difference a day makes. You better give God glory. You better shout hallelujah. You better thank him for his mercy and his kindness. Watch this now, watch this. And then remember Romans chapter 12 around verse 19 or 20, which says, take not, beloved, avenge not yourselves. For vengeance belongs unto the Lord, as he has plainly said. If you want to do anything, heap hot coals on their head. Let them know you forgive them. It's all good, because when you got God on your side, you can't lose. It's really true. It's really true. It's really true. So our text discovers for us something that you need to know, that when they stood to defend themselves, they were actually acting in collaboration with God. Because God had laid it out in his law to them, that when you go to war and you engage in what we call a holy war, you are not to take the spoil. I'm going to give you another principle on that. This happened in the book of Genesis chapter 14. Remember when Lot, crazy Lot, saved Lot, crazy Lot. Saved Lot. Wasn't he saved? Saved Lot. Crazy Lot. Saved Lot. Crazy Lot. Trying to get a point across. Saved, crazy, carnal Lot who decided that he could do better on his own than stand with, 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 with Uncle Abraham. Saved, crazy, carnal lot goes down to Sodom and Gomorrah. Isn't that right? And guess what Abraham comes to discover? He'd been brought into captivity by the enemies around Sodom and Gomorrah. What does Abraham do? Abraham goes and rescues him. Is that right? And do you know that the kings around Abraham tried to give Abraham gifts 
for having delivered them and Lot. And you remember what Abraham said? No way. No way am I going to take your gifts. No way are you going to be able to say you prospered by me. No way. I know that me and my little 600 men who aren't nothing but farmers, we got the victory because God was with us. The war we waged, the war we fought, the war we won was a just war because God was with us. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Here's my point as I keep moving. You only win when God's on your side. You only win when God's on your side. You, you can't win any battle without the Lord on your side. Point number two, let's keep working this through. The exaltation of Mordecai. The text is demanding that we understand a direct association with what I've just shared with you with the exaltation of Mordecai. The text demands that we understand that any victory that you have and I have and the people of God have is in direct connection with the victory of Jesus Christ. Mordecai is our Jesus, is he not? Mordecai is our exalted one, is he not? Now watch how the text develops. Look at what it says in verses 3 and following. It says over in verse, uh, verse 3. Now I'm, um, let me start at verse 2. The Jews gathered themselves together, that's chapter 9, in their cities throughout all the provinces of the king Ahasuerus to lay hand on such as sought to hurt them, and no man could withstand them For the fear of them fell upon what? Lord, help your people to get this. God has decreed that those of you who are his, who live in this broken world that is temporarily under the assignment of the wicked one, the devil, to wreak havoc, create confusion, disrupt lives, trouble you, God has decreed that he will test you from time to time. Be sober. Be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, goeth about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You need to be sober. You need to be vigilant. You don't live in glory yet. You live in a realm where he can come through the back door. He can come through the window. He can come through the garage. And if you're dumb enough, like we're going to learn with Eve, he can come through the front door and sell you the vacuum cleaner that God had already given you. You have to be vigilant. You have to know that the devil has always sought to, to penetrate into and breach all of God's people all the time in the scriptures. This is so very true. You guys understand that? You know what God has done to preserve his people from the beginning of time up to now? He has put the fear of his people in the hearts of those that are around him. Mm. 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 It's not automatic. It's not just yours by privilege of position. It's yours as a consequence of obedience to Christ. You don't automatically have people reverencing you. You don't automatically have people holding you in high esteem. You don't automatically have people respecting you where you are not walking respectably, where you are not honoring God properly, where the banner of the true and the living God is not lifted high on your part. And when people look at your banner and then they look at you, they don't see hypocrisy. Can I preach this now? Right, because this is so important for you to get. Israel knows that the only way they're going to they're going to subdue all these people that are ready to destroy them is for God to have approved of them. The fear of the people 
of Israel, of the Jews, came upon all the land. Now, isn't that what God said when the Israelites were working through the wilderness? He says, I will put your fear upon the nations. Remember what Sister, uh, 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 not Ruth, but Sister um, Rahab said? Remember her? Remember what she says? The fear of the Jews have come to us long ago. We know we don't have a chance. Wouldn't that be amazing for you as a child of God to know that you have the kind of reverence and respect of people just because of your consecration and your commitment to and your communion with the true and the living God. You don't have to open your mouth and defend yourself. You don't have to puff up at people. You don't have to threaten people. All you have to do is walk with God and people will respect you for walking with God. That'll conclude our time today here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan, the Ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. We thank you for spending time with us. Trust that as you do walk through God's Word with us, you're growing in grace, growing in your relationship with Christ and your love and adoration to Him. As we conclude our time together today, we would like to remind you that if today's broadcast was an impact to you, maybe it really blessed you, or maybe you've got a question or two that to listen to this program again would help out. Well, we have CDs available when you call or write to us, or if you wish, simply stop by our website and download the audio file from the website. Our web address is grace-bible.com. Rather simple. Again, grace-bible.com. Or contact us by phone at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, the address is 22768 Main Street. And that's here in Hayward. The zip code is 94541. Again, that's 22768. Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541 is the zip code. We ask for $5 per CD, or again, as mentioned, simply stop by our website and you can listen to the message in its entirety or download the MP3 version, grace-bible.com. One final note, we're inviting you to join us for worship. Sunday services are at 11 a.m. with Sunday school at 10 a.m. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study at 8 p.m. We'd love for you to stop by and join us for worship, especially if you're not involved in a fellowship at this time. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study. We have folks from all kinds of churches all over the Bay Area joining us at 8 p.m. It's a marvelous time of studying God's Word together as a company of believers. Again, For directions, simply go to grace-bible.com or call 510-886-9782. Thank you for joining us today, and until next time, God bless.